and welcome to the Immersive Chemistry Podcast, a podcast which examines the intersection of chemistry, chemical engineering, game design, educational sciences, and technology. In each episode, we explore the impact of immersive learning research on these fields through interviews and discussion. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jesse. Jesse, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Tim. Very good to hear. I'm particularly looking forward to today's discussion because we are talking with two people I have been working with very closely on the Charming Project over the last year and a half or so. Firstly, Sophia Garcia-Fricaro, who has actually been a guest on our podcast on a previous episode where we discussed the work she's doing at Merck and and the um, benefits of escape rooms. And also Yusra Tareem, and we'll be meeting both of them very shortly. The three of us, along with Felipe Chen and Rio Toyota, have been collaborating on a VR training prototype for the chemical process industry. So we'll be discussing that work as well as our collaborative effort on a journal article, which um, yeah, we'll be submitting soon. So maybe this is a good time to introduce our guests. Sure. Hello, girls. Do you want to introduce yourselves? My name is Yusra Tahrim, as you all know, and... Uh, I am a PhD researcher uh, at uh, Hochschule Amden University, Germany, and uh, I am currently working on my project Charming, and my area of research is uh, computer science. So in this project, my area of interest is to explore the potential of virtual reality for the training of uh, chemical operators. So currently, I am living in Germany, and for three years, I am completely packed with this charming project. I'm Sofia Garcia-Fracaro. I'm a PhD student located in Germany as well. I'm a chemical engineer and I come from Argentina. And um, I'm doing uh, the research in the company Merck and um, my university is KU Leuven, Paris, located in Belgium. Okay, so welcome. Yeah, welcome to you both. Now, thank you for, for coming out for, to try this with us today. Um, as Tim said, well, we will try to, to discuss a little bit what you were doing in your paper. But in the end, we would like to know exactly what what are you working on? Because as you said in the paper, it's, you know, a, a mixture between different disciplines. So why don't we start the discussion because I'm very curious about to hear, of course, about the whole paper, but maybe we, we, we should start with with something. So I'm very curious to know exactly why chemical industry is so interested in VR training. Yes. Um, so the chemical industry it, it has a lot of risk involved in the production lines of any of the products that they, they work with. So for this, the operator needs to be highly trained on what are the hazards of the um, of the chemicals that they are using and the products that they are going to produce and also on equipment on because we also work with high temperatures high pressures um, and all these extreme conditions create an, a hazardous environment the operator is constantly training on how to perform this these procedures and how to do them safely so um, all this training is mostly done um, with PowerPoint presentations or uh, documents, e-learnings. In some cases, some companies have pilot plans where the operators train, but is not usually done practically in the plant. 
and it takes a lot of work because most most cases they start with a tutor or godfather so they have one person that will teach them what are the procedures to follow in the plant and this is very time consuming so we have two aspects that we need uh, it would be nice if we could improve is to give the operator the possibility to train by themselves at any time with the supervision but it doesn't have to be a real physical person to tell them what is wrong and what is right and the other aspect aspect is that uh, we are not allowed to to create an explosion in the real plant for them to train how to put the fire out or how to control the high pressures because it's really dangerous so if we in virtual reality um, this we have this opportunity to create these hazardous conditions and let the operator tr operate let the operator uh, solve the situation without any risk implied for them i see I, I i can share from my experience that this kind of training well i've never been to a safety training like the operators in merck maybe but i can say that most of the times there are a lot of information they are a little bit boring and i can see why at least to give, to give another option would be would be a benefit for from them but also then you mentioned about the the safety so i guess that the vr training that um you are uh, focused on is more in the in the in the cases where these situations are very dangerous or very they have a lot of issues uh, regarding the safety yes so it's really important for the operators to know all the safety aspects that they need to to consider before doing the operation while doing the operation because sometimes even if they don't make a mistake some variables will react in some way and they need to know that this is unsafe and they need to control it um, and this is done by really training every every aspect of the process and every every safety issue in advance I, I, yeah i think one of the really interesting things about this sort of or what we're what we're sort of working on is that we do have access to actual actual people who are working on sites in a company and we can talk to them and have conversations about what they might be missing uh, in in the training uh, in their training curriculum at the moment and a lot of the discussions we've had has not only been around sort of making learning experiences more engaging, removing it from a PowerPoint presentation or just looking at through looking at, at um, maybe uh, you know a binder. A lot of this information is provided in thick binders, but actually training in areas which were previously not possible to train. So, like Sophia said, being able to create a situation where a, um, a an operator has to react to a hazardous situation such as a spill. Or, or a fire, like it's really not, it's not feasible to, 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 to do that for two reasons. Firstly, because it's not safe. And the second one, it, it's incre incredibly costly in order to cre create that. I've got a question for you, Yusra. Can you maybe share with us some benefits that VR has as it relates to the technological side of things? Compared to with maybe training in, in a, like a pilot plant, which, which what we saw on-site in Merck? Virtual reality, what, what we are using like a headset virtual reality, it uh, makes the user completely cut off from the real environment. So it, it has a benefit of its own, like it is creating a full immersion 
to the user that he feels that he is actually uh, present in some real chemical reactor with the help of virtual reality technology and with some latest um, uh, uh, headsets and with the latest technologies in softwares we are now able to create a full 3d environment of a real chemical reactor and to produce that real effect and this effect is very important because uh, as compared to other uh, technologies like uh, augmented reality or uh, other uh, desktop uh, versions of training virtual reality has a potential that uh, you can do you can see the results of your wrongdoings and also you can fully immerse in that situation to handle those, uh, those uh, wrong actions and uh, to handle those uh, uh, emergency situations so virtual reality is making an environment making a 3d environment that uh, user can feel that he is in a real chemical plant yet he is not there in pilot plant it is still a small scale as compared to a real chemical plant but uh, in virtual reality we can create simply the real chemical plant not only this we can create an extra animations because in real chemical plant we cannot see what's inside the chemical reactor is going through the pipes or what is coming out or so we can make those pipes uh, like uh, transparent or make a full reactor transparent to see the effects of the chemicals how they are mixing with each other what you will do when you pass any kind of gas nitrogen gas in it or what, what, what either the stirrer is uh, also rotating or not so these are the visuals of output even that is not present in reality also but we are making that uh, like uh, uh, so the user can see the effects of its outputs effects of its inputs what he is doing and what uh, the virtual reality is showing to them so i think this is very important the visuals because visuals make it more uh, make it the environment more uh, effective and immersive so yeah that's why i think vr is uh, uh, best fitted for these uh, critical situations and environments and I'm curious about the, the, the technology itself, because, you know, now that we hear that everyone is using VR, etc. But wh what did it change from, I don't know, 10 years ago or five years ago? What, what now is available that it wasn't there uh, regarding the technology that now it's possible to be immersed for, I don't know how much time, but at least to have a realistic environment in which you can do all these things uh, that you just mentioned? So what, what did it change from, I don't know, 10 years, 5 years ago? Yeah, actually the concept was not uh, new. It was started in 1960s. But uh, uh, virtual reality uh, gained attention in 2012 when uh, Oculus, uh, a small uh, company, he managed to make a portable and affordable headset. And from that time, if if you have a ability to create a virtual reality in an for afford affordability uh, in an afford uh, in an affordable headset or in a, some portable headset then that was a turning point for the uh, virtual reality and now from 2012 to uh, we are here in 2020 a lot of companies have shown interest in improving the quality 
because uh, the more you are improving the quality improving the software the better we have the visual the better we have the virtual environment and from this many many companies uh, not only oculus uh, htc valve lenovo and sony uh, they started making some uh, good quality headsets and uh, from 2016 there was a huge uh, you can say revolution in the virtual reality industry we we have now different kind of headsets some are very um, bulky but some are very uh, lightweighted and now the virtual reality headset is compared with the how lightweighted it is or how how high quality it is or how much field of view it can cover so all the companies are now so the trend is started on researching about more on the technological side and with this uh, uh, so the interest of these um, kind of uh, uh, interest of in this technology has attracted many science students many electronical engineers to uh, sit together and research to produce some better quality headsets so now it it is uh, the interest that everyone is not only just exp uh, just uh, find uh, amazement in um, uh feeling the virtual reality but also to making some uh, affordable headset and to make some making some good quality vr applications so now uh, the trend has uh, literally changes and everyone is now uh, looking toward what's in, in in fact every day a new uh, i think uh, every uh, six months the new headset came with some new feature within the same company so it is uh, improving and evolving very fast i think one of the um one of the interesting things and maybe the important things that you've got in the article sophia that you submitted and one that user and i contributed to was the fact that we're approaching the design of this environment in uh in an interesting way so user so just mentioned that different um, areas of computer science from hardware to software sort of came to, together to start developing um, better technology that can provide virtual reality experiences. And in a sense, we're taking that design of the experience, and in this case, the learning experience, um, in, in a similar way. So I'm, I'm here from the learning perspective, you're there from the content perspective, user from the technology perspective, and then Philippe is contributing, who's not here today, but he's contributing from the game-based learning perspective. So how can uh, we incorporate elements of game-based learning into the design of the um, environment? And then Rio's looking at assessment. So how do we actually assess the employees in the environment? And he's got a background in chemical engineering as well. So he's also that content focused. So I, I was just wondering, maybe you can share your experience on how, how it was to collaborate with these different people from different research domains into a single research paper. Okay, yeah, sure. So the main point is we already work together. We have been working together since April last year, basically. And we are building this prototype together. So each of us is making an addition to the prototype. As you mentioned, Shusra is developing the te technological part. 
I provide in the content and that's the, the main structure, but then the prototype will have different elements. We'll have the learning analytics, we have the assessment and we have the game based learning, game elements. So in the paper, what we did was basically tell the story on how we are building this prototype and how, what are the elements that we think are the, the most interesting ones to share and which are, which ones are the guidelines that we expect in future training, immersive training in the chemical industry should have. When we start writing the paper, we divided, divided it in five main sections. So basically at the beginning, we, we presented how was the, what is the importance of our prototype? What is the importance of, of building this, this type of guidelines for future, future researchers as well? And then we have, we basically divided each, each of the sections of each of the writers. So each of the ESRs that we are working. And then we collaborate closely together in, in some of the sections to build, to make it, uh, more uniform if that makes sense yeah i was just about to comment so exactly what you were telling reminds me um so in one of the courses that i took here in KU Leuven about the uh, multidisciplinary research uh there are some frameworks in which they describe the difficulty in order uh, in which different disciplines especially natural sciences and social sciences overall because we have different methodologies uh, to approach the research um, how all these disciplines have to come together and in the end uh, what they normally do and what you maybe even uh, without knowing are doing uh, in this project uh, is um, going through one prototype, let's say, so one research question together from different views, but in the end uh, with a clear path and, and that of course helps in order to at least somehow each of you are... Um, how do you say, like uh, molding, you know, each of the ideas in order to answer the research question. Yeah, but I'm glad to hear that in the end, you know, it's something that we are all now used to to work together. So, so I hope it went well. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the prototype itself. So maybe you can tell us what are, what are the content of the prototype and maybe which of the maybe I don't know modules are you going to 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 create in order for them to train and what are the elements that you are including so so you mentioned in the paper some game elements but also learning analytics and assessment so maybe you can just mention that sure so we have been working on a prototype virtual reality prototype that will be used in different chemical companies in Europe mostly but we will we'll test this prototype in Merck in Germany and in Arkema in France. So we wanted to build a prototype that we could actually test in both companies at the same time because we didn't have much time to produce two different prototypes. And this, this raises the first question because the two chemical companies don't produce the same chemicals and so they don't have the same procedures. And then we started thinking, okay, maybe we don't have to have one chemical reaction that we will teach them to the operators, because we don't want the experience to be just about the reaction. We want it to be about how to learn the procedure. So we, after several meetings with our supervisors and uh, with the team, we decided to 
create an experience with a universal reactor, a universal batch reactor um, that is this, the, it can be used in Arkema or in Merck to produce butylithium, which is an extremely hazardous reaction and it has ex much uh, condition. It has many conditions that need to be extremely taken care of, or either way, everything will explode. So we choose this reaction and we started building um, the procedure that they will follow in the virtual reality. So uh, we decided to build a prototype basically in room or stages. The first room will include um, safety training that it will also let the operator familiarize with the, how to operate in virtual reality things, how to handle the situation. Um, they will learn about the operation. They will learn. They, sorry, they will learn about the safety data sheets where it has all the information about the chemicals that will be involved in the reaction. They will learn about which personal protective equipment they need to use, and know about um, some of the safety regulations that they need to follow and how to solve situations in case of an accident. When they pass this section and they um, they know all these things, they will be able to enter a room, or in this case, a three-floored room, where they will see the reactor. Uh, the reactor has in, in the top floor um, where the reactants go in. So we have a liquid reactant and solid reactant. And then on the middle floor, we have the, the reactor, where you see the cover of the reactor, with a condensator, a lot of pipes, and uh, the, the, the steerer motor, and it has a little window where you can see inside the reactor. And then in the bottom floor, you see the, the bottom of the reactor, and then you, they will use this to connect it to extract the product. So basically, they enter this room, and they will have a control screen like they have in the plant, uh, which will have all the operability that they do in... They, it has in the real plant. And they will also have a screen with instructions that are the standard operating procedure on how to produce butylithium. So basically, they will learn the first instruction. They will perform. Uh, we haven't decided yet how, how will be the interactions maybe with arrows or colors or lights that will point to which thing they need to do. And they will perform the action. And when they have performed the action, they will create a signature or an okay, and so they have verified that this action is done, and then they move to the next one. So they go through all the procedure, and in the first stage, they will go to, through all the procedure with guidance of instructions. They will be teach what to do, and if they do it wrong, they will get feedback that they are doing this wrong. We want to include also the possibility of not having instruction at all, so they practice and they follow the instructions, but not knowing if they get get it right or not. And at the end, there will be uh, an evaluation room as well, uh, which which basically will be okay. Now produce with the lithium and show us that you learn. We also want to include in some point, maybe after they finish the first time the whole procedure, an event that will create an accident. So maybe when they are sampling the product to take it to the analytical laboratory to see the quality of the product, they will create a big spillage 
that they need to control right away because it's really dangerous. So all these situations uh, are the added value of our virtual reality prototype because they are not allowed to practice this in real life. So we will include this, um, these events that are under uh, design right now because we have conducted a HACCP study to evaluate which are the most relevant and important emergency situations that could happen in this type of reaction. I was about to ask you that because I don't... Um, is it So this reaction is something that they don't train now. So it's something new and then this is a, the first opportunity that they will have in order to train this very hazardous situation. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So um, this is not a reaction that is produced neither in Merck or in Arkema, but the type of actions that they need to perform and of course the reactor that they're going to use is the same one that they use daily. So our intention is for them to learn that how to produce some type of process that are standard and how, how they can operate the valves, how they can operate the control screen, how, how to interact with the reactor. But we actually don't, uh, are not trying to train that they need to put five kilograms of reactant A, uh, because this is not relevant for, for the training. And this is from the content point of view and somehow from the virtual reality point of view. But also we have three other elements that will be included that are, uh, as we sh have mentioned already, learning analytical elements, game-based uh, elements, and assessment. Um, but I don't know if, Tim, you would like later to tell about learning analytics, or I can tell a little bit uh, now. I guess the, the learning analytics aspect is what I'm focusing on, and maybe we'll, um, we can spend some time on that at another time to go in a little bit more detail. But generally speaking, we're sort of researching what's the best way to implement learning analytics into this type of immersive learning environments. I think one interesting part about the design of this, this um, environment also is the point, Sophia, you made that although this is not a chemical reaction that is done at Merck by these employees, or done at Arkema, in fact, it, it enables those employees to learn the necessary skills in order to sort of use this universal reactor. So in a sense, what we're creating is not necessarily going to be, um, it, it's more of a template of how you can really create learning environments for chemical process operators with virtual reality. And we're going to take these different research questions such as, you know, what's the best way to design learning analytics for these environments? How can we determine what, um, tools of assessment we can use for these environments. How does game-based learning elements, um, how can we incorporate those into the design of this sort of generic, uh, this generic prototype to uh, in increase motivation or, or engagement? And then of course, fr from Yusuf's perspective, she's looking at, you know, what interactions work when we're looking at, um, when we're looking at having employees use these different uh, different tools. So it's like a bit of a template model, I guess, is, is, is how we're approaching it. So then the research question, let's say, or the outcome from the, the, all these different integrations will be the guidelines, right? So, so that, that's the main uh, contribution to the educational research, let's say. So how to create such environments, no matter which reaction, no matter uh, which in, uh, industry, maybe, or maybe 
it's very specific for chemical industry, but it's also to help uh, maybe if another company or another um, yeah group wants to develop such a complex environment, at least to have some guidelines on how to do it and what is important, etc. Exactly. We want to be able to provide some foundation to other people who are trying to do something similar. Um, and because we're only five researchers, we've only got th three years. Um, obviously, although we'll have, I, I, I guess, I mean, this is for USERA, but uh, we'll only have so many different prototypes and each prototype will have to implement certain certain sort of variables so we can really do a b testing of two different types so if this prototype or prototype 1.1 has this game-based element and then 1.2 has this game-based game-based element you know is there a preference is there an increase in learning outcome is there changes of ineffective behavior maybe um self-efficacy improves and, and we can sort of select this small thing. But again, it's, I think this is one of the things about, about science in general is it's really these very small incremental steps to, to really start to develop an empirical uh, basis for then designing evidence-informed learning environments for chemical employees. Uh, and, and, I mean, we're lucky because we do have that real context we're building on. We're not testing these environments on university students, for example, just university students. This we've got a fantastic sample from 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 Merck. I mean, hundreds of participants potentially, um, and and Arcama. There's some similar collaboration as as well as Acta, who's another sort of partner organisation. I think we're very lucky on, in that. And that's why we've gone for this more generic um, design or sort of template design, like you said, to hopefully come away with some some design guidelines. I mean, it's so hard to determine what that means, design guidelines. I mean, you read a few different papers that have that same terminology and they mean completely different things. And considering that is sort of part of my main research question I'm still confused exactly about what it means you know what's the difference between guidelines and principles or, and so on I'm sure somebody can tell me but they haven't been able to yet so Yusra if, if you think about from Sophia's perspective she's really looking at how she can in, integrate the content that's required for the Merck apprentices or the Merck employees into this design for me I'm looking at the learning analytics um and, and like we said, some guidelines. The same can be said for Rio implementing um, assessment and Philippe with the game-based learning. From your perspective with, you know, you're really working with the technology. Are you focused on the technology? Are you focused on the interaction design? Where does computer science sort of fit into this? Because in some ways, computer science has aspects of social sciences because you're really recording the, you know, what type of behaviors can be affected by different uh, variations of, you know, design. But then again, you also have this technical aspect where you have to uh, actually, you know, code what you need to do. So where do you fit in in, in this? Uh, my uh, focus is that the user inside the virtual reality do not struggle with the technology. It, we, I want to make it possible for him or her to easily navigate in that virtual world. And for this, I have to implement some interaction designs. It's uh, 
we can say it's in the field of human computer interaction so the interaction design because in our prototype we don't only have a uh, chemical reactor model in which we will uh, manually operate we also have uh, some computer screens so it is like uh, a computer inside a computer so you are in virtual reality and you also have to click the buttons you have the digital knowledge of uh, operating that chemical reactor so my focus is to balance between those manual skills and also digital digital skills but making it easier for the user so that he can easily navigate to where he wants to go or where he want to click or where he want to see the output besides um, i also want to not only mimic the real situation but uh, to mimic the imagination of user when doing that action so like um, if uh, we can uh, open the pipe through clicking the screen on the control screens but uh, my goal is to making that uh, uh, in virtual environment making that thing happen that the liquid is coming out from that uh, transparent pipe or something so uh, the thing is we are uh, not only to easily adjust with that virtual environment but also he or she can able to see his imagination so what he is doing or what she is doing actually in that environment and for this uh, there is the technology part will be in uh, interface designs the technological designs uh, either the interface designs do you consider uh, uh, like uh, controllers uh, or do you prefer just hand tracking or just uh, or do you prefer but, but you don't have to click it so do you prefer to click it from the controller or from the hand or in virtual reality user have to uh, grab a mouse for uh, clicking on the computer screen so these are some small aspects which we have to balance so that the user will not be frustrated in that environment because it's a computer inside computer in which uh, he has to manage all those stuff so yeah he, this is my approach to balance those things for the user i think if we connect that to theory then you're really looking at how can you make sure how do you control the cognitive load that the learner has when they're in the environment so meaning is is the effort that the learner is required to um, put into the uh, interaction in the environment so great that they sort of are not able to learn anything new as well so i i will give you my example like uh, i will put on the headset vr headset and now i am fully in virtual chemical plant at that time a computer screen inside the virtual environment is blinking to click me and start the procedure and at the same time the reactors the pipes are flowing and something and uh, uh, while doing this another non player character come to me and started evaluating me so this will be a lot of information inside the uh, virtual uh, environment and if i am a new user i got easily frustrated so we have to manage the arrival of each actions in virtual environment and also to take care of those incidents that has to be happen according to the user ability to grasp all those information 
because virtual environment is totally new for chemical employees also so yeah that's my main focus yeah and, and i think that if you think about the content itself so how much attention should they pay in the environment because it's just something related to safety you know something that they really have to be concentrate and learn then of course these little distractions or an overload regarding the technology might really make a difference so just to make them sure that they are really just learning the content and not learning also how to to manage and to to yeah uh, that's why in the paper we are introducing three kinds of modes of training like first is the exploration mode the next one is practice mode and the third one is evaluation mode so in this way we can easily make the user to uh, uh, give to uh, accept the knowledge uh, level by level not just one all uh, at once so yeah that's why we are focusing on these uh, uh, modes of training rather than one mode doing all the thing okay so i think we've covered uh, a lot of interesting stuff for today and it's probably almost a good time to wrap it up but before we do go sophia maybe you could just share with us which journal um, your article is going to be published in? Yes, Tim. So as I mentioned, the title of the article is Towards Design Guidelines for Virtual Reality Training for the Chemical Engineers, Chemical Industry, sorry. Um, and we are going, we have published, no, submitted this article in the journal Education for Chemical Engineers, which has uh, an special edition on digitalization on how these new digital tools are being implemented in the training and education of chemical engineers in a university level, but also in the industry. Okay, that's fantastic. Um, Jesse, is there any other questions you have for before we sort of wrap up? Uh, I think it's good for now, maybe just uh, to remind that there are other topics that might be very nice to, to discuss later, maybe with Rio and also with Philippe. Uh, and also, of course, with you, Tim, the learning analytics part. But for now, I think uh, it was very nice to hear from, from, from what you're working on and also to know about the prototype itself. Uh, maybe we can share some small videos about how this looks like uh, for the audience. But yeah, no, that's it for, for from my side. Yusra, do you have anything to add before we finish up? Uh, that is very informative uh, for us also because we also want to share our uh, experience from multidisciplinary perspective about that prototype so i think it's uh, good to share those ideas okay so yusra do you think we could put a um a little short clip of the prototype in its current form up on twitter or up on the website what do you think say that you should ask mark <laughs> <laughs> okay some confidentiality uh, requirements yeah. there sophia anything to add before we finish up um no I'm, i guess that after this great podcast you will be wondering when you can read our article so just follow us on our uh, social media accounts because we will definitely will share when you can we can read the whole article and um, get more insights and I expect by, I don't know, July next year, we'll have a working prototype that will be tested. And eventually, I'm sure it will be open for for the whole European Union to, to, to test. Yeah. And Sophia, people can find you on Twitter at Sophia underscore 
Fracaro. Fracaro. Yeah, Fracaro. Yeah. F- yeah, F-R-A-C-A-R-O. Yes. Yusra, your handle is... Do you want to maybe spell that for people? R-A-T-E-H-R-E-E-M. Okay. And you can find me at T-R-G-A-U-S. And Jesse, do you have a Twitter we can contact you on? I don't have a Twitter account, but I'm, I promise the next time. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Thank you, Sophia. Uh, thank you, Yusra. Have a nice, uh, have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Before we finish up, I'd like to remind our listeners that this project and this podcast has received funding from the European Union's EU Framework Program for Research and Innovation through the Horizon 2020 Grant Agreement. Thank you for listening.